Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver. Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. I am well excited today to be joined by a, I think I'm, I'm going to call him a lean legend. Um, I don't know whether he, he likes that term, but we'll, we'll find out very shortly. So, Michael Ballard, how are you? And, uh, and welcome to Business Problem Solved. Very good. Thank you. Good stuff. Thank you for having me. No, no, no th- thank you for taking time out of your, out your busy, busy schedule. So, you're an author of, uh, of many books and more uh, recently, the, the Lean Strategy. Um, but mm-hmm. for those that, that don't know you, um, I'd like you to just introduce yourself and uh, how have you got to, to sit in that seat today? What's, what's your journey been? Uh, it was completely accidental. It really started with my, my father discovered Toyota uh, in 1975 when he was head of product at Renault. Yeah. And he, he, he went there and he got crazy about it and learned Japanese and would go there every year and so forth. And, uh, and I was like, oh, you know, yeah, this is that stuff. And I was doing a, a research for a PhD in sociology. And I was looking for something very specific. I was looking for a situation where people would look at the same thing with different point perspectives. Yep. It actually doesn't happen very much. People look at the same thing. They argue, they disagree, but they tend to share the same worldview. You know, it's the same mindset. Yeah. So, uh, so one day I talked to my dad, and he says, "Why don't you get a real job?" And so, okay, thank you, Dad. <laughs> and uh, but if you really want there, this is happening with one of our factories. Um, he was he was then industrial VP of a supplier, and he says, "We've got Toyota trying to teach us how to do TPS lean." Yeah. Why don't you go and have a look? And I said, the factory? Me? Are, are, are you kidding? And I, I, so I wasn't stupid that day. I went yeah. and I completely fell off my chair. I saw these two other guys working with the French engineers. And yes, they were really not looking at the same thing. And, and um, it, was, it was incredible. It got me hooked and I tried to figure out. And I didn't understand at first because I was saying, you know, uh, for my PhD, I was talking to two other guys and say, can I have your playbook, please? I can see you solve all these problems, like business problems solved. I can yeah. see you solve problems, and the transformation of the line is, is just incredible. So, um, what's the roadmap? What's what's how do you do it? You know, can you give me the playbook? I won't publish it. It's just for me to understand. And they kept saying, "We don't have one. We we don't have one. We we solve a problem after the other. We don't have one." And I say, oh, "Come on, guys. I understand you don't want it out." Yeah it's competitive knowledge but i need it for my research and one day one of the guys i still remember when he says we we don't okay enough we don't have a playbook but we do have a kind of a golden rule which is that to make people to make products we have to make people wow and as a sociologist i I went what and and it's long-winded answer answer to your question but i've been studying that's that's one phrase yeah um my entire life so, so what does that phrase mean to you now after all of these years of study? Well, the, 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 you get really silly. It's like get a life. You know, you spend your entire life uh, studying one phrase. And then for the first 10 years, I was studying what do they mean by make people? Yeah. And then I realized I was not only studying one phrase, I was studying half a phrase. So I had to figure out what does it mean? making products yeah <laughs> and that goes another 10 years so so it, it was it was it's really, that's why i'm still writing the books because it's i'm still trying to figure it out okay oh fantastic so you, you, you're continually learning i'm trying to yeah no good good stuff good stuff so um I, I said at the start that you've you've written many books um and then the your latest one uh, is i believe is lean strategy so when lean that what do, i guess before i ask the question i want to ask what does lean mean to you well, to me, lean is um, learning from Toyota outside of Toyota. It's very simple. I think I really think uh, again to to speak uh, sociology, speak paradigms. You know, paradigms, yeah. worldviews, mindsets are not that many. They don't come around very often. There's not that many. In fact, there are many variants, but people tend to share the same one. Um, 
and and I really think Toyota hit on something completely radically different. So uh, I think there's, this is why the machine, the change of world, was such an important book. Yeah, uh, Dan Jones been my mentor all these years, and we think it's really radically different. And Lean is trying to learn from that difference and uh, and and see what it does outside of Toyota, outside of automotive, in all sorts of fields. Now, the interesting thing is that it developed a sort of an industry of consultants that tell you, no, really, it's not that different. <laughs> Yeah. And of course, Toyota is just another car company. So there are a lot of similarities between car companies. So, so rather than focusing on what is unique about Toyota, they, they bring it back to what every car company does. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny. <laughs> so, so to be specific to me, lean is, means what is unique about how Toyota goes about solving problems as opposed to how all their competitors, the rest of the industry does. Yeah, okay, and and you've, you've touched on it there as well, that around so many people have misinterpreted the the definition of, of lean over the over the years, and there's consultancies that have lean in the title that also misrepresent the, the true meaning of the word lean, and is that what drove um, you to write the book with uh, with 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 Dan, uh, the lean strategy, and, and the other co-authors? Co what, what was the compelling reason behind the book? I have to confess, I have fairly selfish reasons to write books. Um, and again, consultants, who can blame them? I wrote a book about lean, uh, about uh, not lean, about uh, business engineering, believe it or not. Okay. And at the end of the, I was writing this book and, and I was having these discussions with Dan. I had just met him. And, 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 and I was also seeing the consulting process of reengineering that never ended well. So in the process of writing the book, I'm saying there's something fishy, but now I've, I've committing to write the book. So, yeah. <laughs> so what do I do? You know, it's like, you, yeah. you, and, and now I wish I could recall books. Well, you can't. Okay. And, yeah. and, um, the last chapter I was going on, I said, wait a minute, there is something to functional hierarchy. We can't just break functions because they, they, they have a university value. Mm -hmm. it, it, this is where learning happens functionally. So, so the book came out, and then I realized that what most consultants do was still obsessed with this idea of process. Yeah. They would, in fact, uh, make a sort of blend between reengineering and lean. This is what the lean they sell. They sell you something where they accelerate the process. It has nothing to do with the people. It, is they're looking for a better process in a way. And the truth is, if there were better processes, we'd know it by now. Mm -hmm. So the, the insight of these days was that Lean was really an education system, a learning system, yeah. and not a, a, find, a way to find a better mousetrap, a better process. So all the books I've written, I'm trying still working this idea, I'm still trying to look at it different angles. And to cut a long story short, when we got to the Lean strategy, we realized the same thing was applying. That We realized that just just like a fish doesn't know the water he's in or we don't notice the air we're in. So, so these ideas, everybody thinks that it's natural, right, fair, just to have a strategy and then execute. So brilliant leaders are supposed to have brilliant strategies and then you execute them. Mm -hmm. and, and it's all extractive. You find a business niche and you exploit it because you have a strategy to exploit it and then you, you find people to execute the strategy. What we realized what happened is that um, lean thinkers, the sensei would start with the game bow. They wouldn't start with this. They would start not by, problem, not by solving problems, by finding problems. Yeah. So they, they were a lot closer to reality. So you, you, you basically, you solve a lot of problems and you find some problems do come back. Some problems are stupid and easy, they disappear because something happened, nobody. But some problems are structural, they come back, they will always be there. And once you start facing them, you build your strategy on that, which is a completely different way of thinking. Yeah. So what that brought us to, to realize that in fact, we implicitly are taught to be masters of our fate, of our destiny. This is what I want to do, and I'm going to roll it out. And then if it works out, so much the better. If it doesn't, I uh, was polluted. Something happened, and I got unlucky. Something else happened. Yeah. yeah. But here now we're looking at the world in a more Asian way. We're saying this, we're challenged. You're like, I'm here. I don't want to do anything. I'm doing my business, but the world changes. It challenges me, and I have to figure out a response. And in terms of learning, I have to learn from my responses until I get it right. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> this is a lean strategy. It's, 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 it's we lean what we have. We take the mood out. We take the waste out because we get people thinking about it. And it's a completely different response. Yep. Yep. Got you. So how, how, do, how do companies go about finding problems? 
rather than just sol solving them? What's the best way that they can find problems in your the experience? Company, the company can't. The CEO has to. The okay, best so way is you, the, the lean tradition is uh, you find a sensei you can work with, which is difficult because senses are difficult. Yep. Yeah, but you, the CEO goes to the to the game bar, to the real place, goes yeah. to customer complaints, and you find problems. And the way you find problems is actually, um, finding problems is a more active thing than you think. It's just, oh, oh, there's a problem, let's move on. Is you see things that are not right, and you get people on them and say, please do something about it. And you yeah. learn to listen. Yeah. And it's very hard for CEOs to learn to listen. And, and people, when they finally talk to you, will tell you, I mean, you have problems with all the place. So the, the difficulty is not just to find problems, but to figure out which problems are strategic, although they appear as very minute. Yeah. But so the, the, the CEO has a huge role in creating a culture of bad news first, problem first, where it's okay to speak up. It's, a, it's okay to speak up. It's okay to have ideas. Yeah, and and you do this through regular gamer walks. Yeah, um, so I often hear that uh, that people say that that lean is a bottom up approach. Um, what you've just articulated there is a is a more CEO driven approach. Is it is it a? Yeah, all right. Again, the difficulty is that it's a really different paradigm. So the whole yeah. bottom up and 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 top down approach is completely in the old paradigm. Yeah. Uh, we have, again, we have people who strategize and then people who execute. So the normal thing is top down. And then, of course, there are people who want the opposite. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing that you just take the same picture, you turn it around. And now you have to have bottom up and people up there who just, I don't know what, uh, listen, coach, whatever, facilitate. Yeah. Uh, no, lean, lean, we're, we're not talking about trains on parallel tracks. We're talking about something different. In lean, there's what we call the helicopter. Something my father learned from Toyota and taught me is you keep moving up and down from the biggest industry picture than you can. For instance, understanding what Akio Toyota did in the past 10 years, which understanding connectivity. Mm -hmm. he, he was on there first and the guy before him was on green, just him with the price. So you, you, the biggest industry picture you can, and then you look at it through the minutest detail you can. And it's very interesting, um, on the shop with my father, he loses me on the industry picture and he loses me on the significance of details. So it's this process of going up and down, up and down, that makes you see things differently and di discover different insights. Yeah. So it's not about bottom up or top down, it's about the interaction between senior managers and frontline guys. Yeah. And, and when you get this interaction to actually work because you create trust and because you create this energy, uh, both bring something completely different from the party. And this is where you usually discover things you never expected. Yeah, com completely. And I'm glad you used the word trust then as well, because one of the biggest problems that I see is is a lack of trust and a lack of the, the frontline workers um, wanting to speak out. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, the foundation layer of the, you know, the Toyota production system, the foundation layer is mutual trust. It has to be. I mean, yeah. and again, this is not something that comes spontaneously. Uh, as a leader, you have to work at it very hard. You yeah. need to trust uh, vertically. But you also need to be get trust. It's a teamwork aspect. Teamwork is a verb. It's not. A, it's not a thing. You yeah. practice teamwork all the time to create trust between functions, and and yes, the magic ingredient in all of this is trust. Of course, yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. How do you, how do you create trust? How, if if you ha if you walked into an, an environment and you saw that uh, it wasn't one that demonstrated high trust, um, what how would you, how would you approach that? Do you mean I, I open my drawer, take out my magic wand? Huh? Go, <laughs> that's just that's your secret. Or do you mean how do you create yeah. <laughs> trust if you haven't got your magic wand? Yes. Um, what we found, right? It's a it's a bit of a. I need to backtrack. It's a bit of a complicated. The, the truth is that we are biased to trust people we like, mm -hmm. which gets us into a lot of trouble. Yeah. Because not because we like somebody that they're trustworthy. Yeah. Um, then the other thing, if we're a bit more rational, when you meet somebody, you're thinking, what are these person's intention towards me? And can they carry it out? And finally, are they dependable? Mm -hmm. um, so these things actually you can test. So we can't do anything about liking or not liking people. Yeah. But we can do a lot with uh, getting people to solve problems together. Yeah. So when you're on the game and you have the CEO ask people to solve people and follow uh, problems and follows up or when you get people to cross-function to solve problems together, the, the core unit of trust creation is problem solving. 
if you get them to work on the front lines, it's like you're at the front together. If you get them to work together, yeah, you that generates trust for, simply from knowing each other. Then you hit a second problem is that you have what we call in psychology fixed mindset people, and we have growth mindset people. So a growth mindset people would be people who think that spending time and learning something is valuable because you will get something out of it and it can be done. It's useful. So these guys don't care if they fail the first time because they know that they'll get it right eventually. It's useful, and then they'll pay back, which it really does. And then you have fixed mindset people who think that spending time learning something is a waste of time because they know all they need to know. And what they have to do is optimize the way they, what they already know. So their main driving thing is, this is always look good, never look bad. You know? yeah. So the problem with trust is that when you start solving problems, if you are in a fixed mindset, in front of a fixed mindset manager or in a fixed mindset culture, it gets very hard mm-hmm. because everybody plays silly buggers instead of going into the problem and helping each other. So yeah. there, there's, no, there's no simple answer. But, but what we found in Lean is that problem solving is the, 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 is the place where trust will happen yeah. as people learn to work with each other and they understand each other better. Yeah, got you, got you. No, th- thank you for that. But, but, but you've got to want it. Yes. It's, 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 what, it's what Toyota calls respect. You, you've got to make you yourself a deliberate effort to understand people's other's point of view, to understand them and to see where they come from. It's not something that happens on its own. We, we always reject what is foreign. So we really have to, you have yeah. to want it. Yeah. Um, every time I search on, online for, um, for for lean material, I always, I always see articles that say the, the top seven reasons why lean initiatives fail, the top five reasons why lean failed. Um, what do you believe the, the biggest challenge is to actually really, truly adopting a lean strategy? The, the, when you read Taishi Ono, uh, the workplace management, it's fascinating. The first 20 pages, the first six or seven chapters is about being wrong. Okay. He shows an illusion. You know, look, you get wrong. You see something. You think this is bigger than this. It's an optical illusion. It's wrong. And it's about uh, the first chapter, I think, is called Why Wise Men Mend Their Ways. If you're wrong, accept it. Yeah. And persuading people. And, and, and of course, when most people read this, they say, okay, 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 blah, 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 folklore, folklore, folklore. When do we get to the real stuff? But the truth is, that's the real stuff. Yeah. Toyota's core insight was that when you work, let's say in Swansea, whatever, you, you buy the materials on global market, so you pay the price, yeah. and then you pay people the local rates, so that's it, and then you have your overhead. So, so, so there's a core truth, though. There's a core of cost that is the same to every competitor, but to which we add the cost of our stupidity. Mm-hmm. If we make a part wrong, we pay the parts, we pay the material. If we treat people badly, they don't work, they're not productive, we still pay the pay. So, so there's a lot, it's like a fruit, there, there's a, there's, it's like a plum. There's a layer of cost that is literally caused by our misconceptions. What gets you is not what you don't know, it's what you think is true that is not true, it's your misconceptions. Yeah. So the whole thing about lean is a personal thing to discover. Yeah your own misconceptions. So, so it's all the other way around. So what people get wrong about Lean is they think it's an organizational strategy. Let me, re, again, back to process engineering, let me redesign my processes in a Lean way. Yeah. Let me copy Toyota's processes. And so there are people Toyota say, why do you want to copy our processes? Because the sequence of problems that we solve that get us to do this this way is mm-hmm. not the same as yours. So, so, so our solutions don't make sense. The key to lean strategy, you understand that it's a, it's an, it's a cognitive strategy. It's a thinking strategy. Yeah. So it, it's really is an outlook thing. It's the way you go about solving problems that changes, not the kind of solution you're going to apply. So oh, yeah. this is what people, this is why a lean initiative doesn't make sense. This is why lean programs hardly deliver beyond the early fruits like any other program. Yeah. It's because people think that this is okay. This is something I can buy. I can purchase the best. I apply to my company and it will deliver. Nope. Yeah. These are tools that you can use on yourself to discover things you didn't know before. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean it's it's yes. a complete misunderstanding if you if you yeah. see? Yeah, completely, completely. So we we started with with lean thinking and then lean strategy, um, and then in that last sentence you said uh, it's a, it's a thinking strategy. What's yeah. the third? But what's the third book? 
Oh, um, I'm currently working on a book that uh, with the, the CEO of a, of a startup that is now a 700 million euros company. Oh, wow. Uh, he started, he, the, guy, the guy is brilliant. He started with a, a computer on a desk with his partner. They both started with just nothing. Yeah. And uh, selling cars over the internet. Right. And so we're working with this nice idea of lean strategy, but what does it mean in the digital world? Yeah. And that's, that's the book I'm currently working on. Yeah. Ah, oh, brilliant. Okay, no, very good. When's that out? Of oh, course, it, I have to. It has to be written first. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Just but, but th this is a, this is again what grabbed him. Yeah. Was this idea of um, the old strategy? He what happened to him was what happened to most people when they scale up. He was he he built a startup on the what we call the four D. You define the situation. You decide on an option. You drive it through the ranks. And then when things don't always work out the way you want it, you deal with the consequences. Yeah. And this is what we see all the time. People jumping to solutions, forcing it down people's throats. And then when it doesn't work out, they get very frustrated and they start dancing around it. Yep. Yeah. And, and what we suggest in the lean strategy is, no, you start by f using just in time and on principle to find problems with people. You face your really bad problems, the elephant in the room. You frame them, you explain them in a way that everybody understands in the company so that everybody can participate in forming solutions yeah. with the, it's people centric, not, not, not people free. Yeah. So this is what grabbed him originally in the lean strategy. And he said, I want to try it. And, and what's really interesting is that, that after 10 years, a bit more than 10 years of the company, basically they were in trouble because their, their um, marketing and, and, um, and how, how do you call it? marketing and overhead were growing much faster okay. than their, their turnover. So they, basically they were buying growth. Yeah. And, and just by going to the game bar, talking to the guys, doing the problem solving, he completely changed his attitude. And it's amazing because the, the headcount and marketing costs just went when the other way around, they turn it around. So they, in, in a couple of years, they doubled their EBITDA and they recaptured growth. It's, it's a fantastic story. So what we're trying to do is to tell the story. And the big thing is there's a radical change in mental um, view because the traditional way to scale up is, is the companies you'll know, they define the problem that way. Say, first, we want to standardize our offer. So in fact, we, uh, Toyota has the widest lineup to every constructor because they mm -hmm. want to find the car for you. Yeah. But everybody tells you, no, you have to reduce the lineup because it's more complicated. So you select out customers. So you hamper yeah. your growth because you only sell to the people who are willing to follow your process. Now, when you don't have a choice, like with airlines, we, you and I get very irritated because they say that's our process and take it or leave it. Yeah. But what you're really doing is encouraging people to take the train. Yeah. You, you're selecting out customers. So the first thing is you standardize your offer. The second thing is you figure out the right process and you implement it. So you ask experts, consultants, whatever, to do what's the right process, tailorism, and then you implement it. And the third part of this, you're taught, you use your power to f push pressure everybody into that. Mm -hmm. You tell customers that's the way it is. You tell your employees that's the process. You tell your suppliers, you know, give the, the price rebate, follow our procedures. You know, you, you use the power you have. And everybody thinks that's a completely normal way of doing business. Yeah. So what we found is, is we, we, we can change completely that. You actually really focus on customer satisfaction and understanding where you can automate, but where you can be, you have to be flexible to, to understand the customer's unique problems. Yep. and help customers solve the problem. The second thing is, rather than processes, you look high en for high energy, positive people, and you connect them together by getting okay. them to solve uh, interesting problems together. That's the, um, you know, the, um, the famous Google story of these ads suck. You give people and somebody who's not even supposed to work and say, that's an interesting problem. He finds some mates and they come up with a prototype. So, so yeah. the, how do you create the conditions to connecting people not processes, people. And, and the third thing is, well, you, you challenge and support everybody. You encourage everybody to just keep going. And, and then you, you do what it takes in terms of enabling systems internally to make it yeah. stick. So, so we're looking at a radically different worldview in terms of how you grow the business because on one place you want to apply best practice and on the other side you want to discover new knowledge points. Yeah. That are going to get you better, better performance. Yeah. 
Um, so this probably sounds. I'm hearing myself. It sounds terribly boring. It's very hard to convey. It's because it's because it's different. People tell us, "Well, please give us something we can relate to." This sounds yeah. like science fiction. It's not science fiction. It's really what they do. Yeah. No. 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 Completely. Completely. No. It's 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 not boring. I'll uh, I'll, I'll wave my hands when I when when I become bored. I'm not I'm not I'm not waving them yet. So no. Yeah. No. You're safe. I'm still well set on my hands. Um. As you know, this this podcast is called Business Problem Solved. What do you think the number one um problem in business is today that needs solving? Oh, waste. Waste. Of course. We we will. Um. I'm a great fan of what's her name Greta Thunberg. You know. Um. I think our kids are right. I think that our current lifestyle is unsustainable. But then again, uh, Malthus, and we've always heard that our current lifestyle is unsustainable. Mm -hmm. So both statements are probably correct. Yeah. So uh, I really see that the only way we can maintain our lifestyle, I, I'm sorry, I, I need to fly around Europe. I feel bad about it, but uh, I, I don't want to give that up. Yeah. Is to attack the waste. Yeah. And with our eyes, um, every industrial process is so full of normal loss. What people consider the normal cost of doing business mm-hmm. is just completely crazy. So I think that's a really the number one business problem today, which, of course, it's in a political context and everything. A lot of people saying that's not a problem, just roll with it. And again, we have the economies of power and so forth. But I think that's really the number. It's it, not just business, it's a societal problem. And I think that, for instance, when you work with this internet company, you focus on waste point, pain points, and you try to take them away. Yeah. So I think we have a huge global challenge that the only way we're going to sustain our lifestyle mm-hmm. is to find to do the same thing, wasteless. Yeah. And and I believe lean compared to the traditional method is the method to, to go there. Yeah. But yeah cool. we have to abandon this idea that these are standardized processes that we can apply everywhere. And we have to accept that this is about connecting smart people together. So yeah. they come up with a with more clever solutions locally. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. So just so that everybody's on the same page, what's your definition of waste in in, in the context that you've just gone through? Loss. Loss. Um, the normal cost of doing business. Okay. Yeah. Got you. you know, what you consider? It's okay not to satisfy every customer. No, nobody's yeah. going to be fully satisfied. Yeah. It's okay to have rejects. How can we have hundred percent quality? It's okay to. Uh, wow. I mean, uh, look at the look at how much plastic. Yep. With in the bin every week. I mean, we feel an entire. So it's it's okay to throw out plastic. It's the normal cost of living normally. Just, just you mean? Yes. So waste is again the 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 fruit around the around the nut of the cost. Waste is 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 actually everywhere. Yeah. Yep. And and I really think it adds up. Yeah. Um, in energy use and the, the our societies are are built on a colonial model that you have one big solution that you can impose on others. Mm-hmm. And you don't understand because, come on, guys, we're exploiting you, but you're still okay, aren't you? And we don't understand why they're not happy about it. And I say, well, <laughs> actually, <laughs> think about it. Yeah. But um, so we understand big investment solutions that they're going to crack the whole problem over. But the difficulty with environmental problems is that there are layers of small things to solve. So we can't um, replicate the solutions we can't do that. There's no massive cookie cutter magic solution. Yeah. What we can do is replicate the learning. We can teach everybody to think differently. Yeah. So at the moment, the we can see societally uh, there's a fight between people say, okay, we need to back down. We don't know how to do this, so we need to reduce our lifestyles. Or we need to apply some ridiculous over the board, you know, taxation, whatever system. That's not going to work because that's how they think. Yeah. The alternative is we could teach everyone to think differently about how they solve their consumption problems. And that's what Lean is, in a sense, is an education system. So, so to me, the, 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 this is how you uh, create sustainable growth in a company. Yeah. You install Lean not as a process, but as an education system where everybody's more clever. And yeah. the, the benefit of this is that the sense of belonging stronger. People see the impact of what they do. They see their contribution to the company. They feel more attached to it. So engagement goes up, involvement goes up. So you have a lot of side benefits. It's a more human way to run companies. 
Yeah, yeah, no, clear. Thank, thank you for that. And uh, so, um, I think it was on a, one of my LinkedIn posts. You commented ar- around that uh, you started off as, uh, and you, one of your first books was around uh, systems thinking, and then you've, you've <laughs> transitioned into 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 lean. And, and there's all sorts of there's theory of there's all sorts of different improvement methods that are, that are out there that people have in their job titles. What do you think the uh, the, the the thing is that differentiates lean from them, or or what's the, what's the What's the big difference? I really think to uh, stumble onto something radically different. Yeah. Um, uh, everything else is just different versions of the same thing. So mm-hmm. basically, I didn't. The reason I went to lean and is because again I was doing the research, but I was yeah. I'm a diehard system thinking guy, so I got lucky because I had my first job was simulating stock and flow dynamic simulations, mm-hmm. so I didn't struggle as other people did with Kanban. Yeah. When when people started showing me Kanban, I knew I could recognize what they were doing. And and most engineers there are used to work in a static environment, and their mind just blocks when it gets dynamic. Um, I, I I didn't have that I didn't have that problem, so I could look into something else. So, but the truth is that all the solutions I was looking into at the time, system yeah. thinking, theories of constraints, nothing works sustainably. It's yep. the same paradigm. It's all the Six Sigma. It's the same paradigm. Let's apply the process. Let's fix the process. Yeah. The the complete different paradigm. So all of this is born out of Taylorism. Yep. Taylorism, you have an engineer, studies the process, finds the better way of working, codifies it, forces it on people, pay them more. Mm-hmm. Taylorism. So all of these things are about this. Six Sigma is the same. Theories of control is the same. Lean was born of a different intuition. Sakishi Toyoda was fascinated by the first self-help book ever written. Oh, wow. Yes, a man, a, a, a Scotsman, I think, called Samuel Smiles. Okay. I kid you not, that's his yeah. name. Wrote in the 19th century, wrote a book called Self-Help. Right. True story. Somehow fell into Sakishi Toyoda's hands. They, they, in Japan, they have in the museum, they have an annotated copy. Yep. of a Japanese translation, line by line. And this self-help book is all about bootstrapping yourself. Basically, Simon Sive was saying, we live in an incredible period because now you don't have to be a nobleman. You don't have to be born rich. Look at all the people who are just very clever and hardworking and inventive. And that's true of the 19th century who made, and it's still true today, who yep. made these, these incredible things and named for the unfortunate and so forth. So it's a book that is all about using hard work and knowledge and learning to bootstrap yourself. Mm-hmm. And this, where everybody was about Taylorism, which is you define the process and you make people apply it. Toyota went another direction, which is we need to bootstrap every one of our employees. We need, in order to make products, we need to make people. Yeah. So it's a completely different obsession. Yeah. So it, it, it got them to a complete different place. And even today, when you visit a Toyota plant, the slogan is since the 1950s is a better thinking, better product. Yeah. So every lean tool in Toyota is not about the solution. It's about getting you to think more deeply about the problem. Yeah. So you understand, and it's very Taoist, it's very Asian in a way, but you understand more deeply the problem. So you understand more deeply everything about your job. Yeah. So, so what we've seen, we have this intuition that works incredibly well, Toyota, still today, still working circles are still there, and that our consultants are obsessed with reinterpreting in a tailorist way. So our consultants are obsessed with, let's take this to a solution, yeah. I'm done, whatever, and let's cookie cutter apply it to our end. Yeah. And I had this moment of, it. suddenly I was visiting a Toyota plant in China, and I was visiting two Toyota plants, different model plants, two lines, different lines in the same plant, completely different. Yeah. I said, what is this? I had the same assumptions that Toyota was a machine like everything the same. It was completely different. Same principles, but completely different. And then I started looking at Toyota plants all over the world and realized how different they were, how singular and unique. Yeah. So the core insight here is that in order to learn, you have to treat problems as singular and people as singular. Yeah. And through doing this, you, you deepen your understanding humanly, which gives you new insights. Yes. Because new insights are off the table. They're not on the table. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody denies that and wants to do head of the Pareto thing. Let's, let's concentrate problems in one big thing and have a team solve it. Yeah, fine. They will. But you know what? Every competitor is doing that. If it's a difficult problem to crack, everybody's on it. There is no 
competitive advantage there. And now this is really interesting because this is a problem Toyota understands very well. They call it the buds of the problem. They understand the competitive advantage from solving the small stuff very well, but nobody wants to hear. Yeah, wow. So, so to answer your question, I really think that we have something people trying to understand what Toyota is doing. Yeah. And we have, with, with, it's a battle for the meaning of lean. And we have these entire uh, consultant gigs, which are bringing it back to Taylorism. Mm -hmm. so, so you see there's a kind of a tug of war. There's people like me saying, no, no, this is different. Yeah. Abandon, let go yeah. of Taylorism. That's okay. It, it was not bad. It was, it was smart at the time. But hey, we've moved on. We're in a knowledge society now. It doesn't work. It only works in totally predictable problems. Yeah. And let's look at something else. And then you have people say, no, 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 no. Yeah. How, how do you, you win that battle? How do you win that battle? You don't. You don't? You lose with style. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, magic wand, magic wand. Magic, ah, yeah, yeah. Magic back, back, wand, you win the wand. Back to the magic wand. You, you can't wake up somebody who's pretending to sleep. Yeah. Um, I mean, for instance, uh, we, the, the reception, our book, The Lean Strategy, and in the, in the, in the, we were surprised. I mean, The Lean Strategy is written by me, Dan Jones, mm -hmm. of the movement. Yeah. Or if you may, CEO of one of the most celebrated uh, lean cases, you know, and co-founder of the, of the lean accounting movement. Jack Chaz, uh, uh, ex-CEO and co-founder of the uh, Society for Organizational Learning. Okay. Yeah. I would say it's pretty heavyweight, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, these yeah. four guys, and you can imagine it's not easy, actually agree yeah. enough to write a book together. Yeah. You think that gives it some weight? Completely. The reception, particularly in the U.S., was violent, wow. a complete denial. Uh, we had endless weird things of saying what you say it cannot be a strategy. I say, guys, we have CEOs in the book who say lean is their strategy. I mean, yeah. uh, we're not even saying that. They're saying it, and you know, it's yeah. working for them. You know what? And, and there was a complete refusal of the wow. idea. So back to the point, if people don't want to look, yeah. you can't convince them. No, no. So what, what, what convinces you to carry on the, um, the, the battles for, 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 for lean? Really, because I guess with with so much negativity, well, I, wish and... I, knew, I wish I knew uh, to do something else, but I don't. I'm too old. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, again, again, again. Um, we really need it, mm -hmm. Lee. We really we we have a clear and present resources problem. Yeah, I the um, the horizon 2050 is really scary. And we, it's there everywhere. Toyota is actually doing something about it. They've done something with the priors. They now have a project for 2050. It's really smart. Yeah. And it, it, it doesn't involve going back to, you know, the Middle Ages. Yeah. We really need it. Yeah. Well, no, that me message received loud and, uh, loud, loud so and that's clear. What, that's what keeps me going. I, yeah. I, I, I don't think you can fight the interpretations of lean that is sailorism because people are enamored with it and they live off it. I think yeah. this is why I keep writing books. You can try to against one, make the, you make the case <laughs> again yeah. and again and again and again. And hopefully, you know, it grabs one guy, it grabs another guy. And, you know, some people open their eyes, you know, yeah. I don't see anything else to do. Yeah, it comes back to what you were saying earlier on about you're trying to change the way that people think, and 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 some people are conditioned in a particular way. That it's a bit more difficult. I, to be honest, I don't even have that ambition. I try to show them a different way to think. People okay. are adults. They'll they'll. I don't I don't try to change anyone. Say, yeah. hey guys, if you want to open the door, it's like looking in the telescope. If you want to look in the telescope, you can. You'll see something different. You don't have to. Yeah. I'm certainly not going to force you. So the, the whole point about writing book after book is that's the only way of saying, open the door, look in the room, open the door, yeah. look in the room. I, I can't push you in the room. Yeah. I can't make you look at something you don't want to look at. No, no. To be honest, I don't even want to. I mean, is that, but what I can do is, is keep showing it and, and hopefully some people pick it up. And, but recently there was something, uh, one of my co-authors, Ori Fiume, um, yep. Send us something really interesting. There was a business roundtable. Think about it about uh, uh, in business or American things. I had no no thing about, but it was really interesting because they said you know profit cannot be the be all and now all of companies, and the language was what we have to bring value to customers. We have to take care of employees. We have to 
build partnerships with the suppliers. And this was strange because it was lean language. Yeah. So it doesn't come from nowhere. So sometimes the difficulty in keeping on is, yes, we do have our motivation crisis because we don't see the impact, but I believe there is an impact. I believe it makes a difference that we do this as opposed to not do it. Yeah. It's difficult because you don't have, everybody needs approval. Everybody needs saying, yeah, this is good, continue. So how do you continue when you don't have that? But but the truth is, I think the impact of the lean movement has been larger than we see. And I also think that even people who do lean in a way that I don't, I wouldn't do it or I disagree with it and so forth, they're still part of the game. They still have the right, their heart in the right place and they're still doing the right thing. So, okay, they don't want to think beyond what they already know. Fine, who can blame them? We're the same. But so I think that my battle is for the meaning of lean. Mm-hmm. But um, But everybody who does lean with good intention is on the same side still you know it's like it's like like, this is silly okay we disagree with the path to follow yeah but i think that everybody's trying to get to the same place yeah completely completely okay no no clear thank you thank you um what's the worst advice you've ever been given i don't know i never listen to advice you never listen to advice no Uh, what's the worst advice yeah why do you, why worse? I can think of the best advice I was given but, several times. Yeah, so so the reason why I asked that question is is I prefer the answers to that one because I think, um, okay, go on. What was the, What's the best advice you've ever been given? Um, the Toyota engineers told me I was I wanted to be an academic. Actually, this is probably the best and the worst. Okay, <laughs> yeah. the most, I I wanted to be. I, I had this dream of this teenage dream of being a professor with a tweed jacket in Harvard Square. You know. Yeah. And they told me, you know, you can't understand this thing if you don't practice it. You need to think with your hands. So that got me after doing my PhD to start working as a subcontractor to a consultant, and, and I, it was a crazy time. So we were moving factories at two o'clock in the morning, and yeah. Uh, moving machines, two-ton robots around, so the crazy lean stuff we did in the 90s. And so so really they got me in terms of doing it as opposed to just observing it. Mm-hmm. So it's probably the, the the worst advice because I never got into academia because of that. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the best advice because this is how I learned so much stuff. Yes. Um, the other best advice was from Jacques Chez, who was my, the co-author on the lean strategy, working with yeah. him. And I came out of automotive and the automotive style is really just, you know, pressure, pressure, pressure. Yeah. So I learned to change my style to work to, to, to other people. Sometimes the automotive in me still comes back and I say, yeah. enough, let's just do it, you know. But 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 really learning to to uh, to the the problem we now have is how do we make lean cool? Yeah. Particularly <laughs> for the younger generation, which is a different yeah. problem. So this this was this advice was really changed. You, you you get really advice at some point. People completely changes your your thinking. And yeah. I can't think, I can't think, I can't think of again. I don't take advice easily, so I probably no. worst advice. I I can't. No, no, that's 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 nothing, fine. That's, nothing nothing springs to mind. No, no, that's that's fine. So I, in, just picking up on what you've just said, then how do you make lean cool? How how do you inspire younger generations to to pick up the baton? That, um, that 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 you're carrying. You surround yourself with cool people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well. It's uh, you recruit people. You know, you you find people who are younger or cooler. We, I mean, we're, I'm very lucky because I work now a lot more with the digital guys, and they, they yeah. talk to me. They, they, I'm always surprised that they wouldn't want to listen to me. You know, it's like this, <laughs> this guy. You know, they, these guys were born with a phone in their hands. So, so yeah. but um, maybe not that that much but but actually i was very surprised um a lot of the kids the millennials they 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 know that we've thrown out a lot of knowledge because now everything is like mr google but they also feel that they don't understand things deeply so they actually listen far more and they're, they're really fascinated by the learning side of lean yeah and yes they're always looking for quick hacks yeah but but they're really interested so uh, I think that it's you, you don't. I don't think you can make lean cool. I think you can convince cooler people to adopt lean. Yes, yes. You see what got I mean? You. Got you. Got you. Which so is you. not easy. Which is not easy because they no. look at you know, oh lean. But you know, it's like lean is an old brand now. I mean, this thing is thirty years old so, or yeah. twenty five years old. So, um, how to make uh, McDonald's is still here and Coca Cola is still here? So it's not from being an old brand, but how do you yeah. keep it fresh? Yes. 
Yeah, new Coke, is not the, new Coke is not the strategy. Every, every so often somebody comes up, oh, let's do lean something else. Yes. Say, well, no, actually, let's fight for lean for what it is and, yeah. and, and put it in the spirit of the times. Yeah. Which is exactly what, again, if you follow Toyota, this is exactly what they try to do. They have the same problem. You, the, you, every new car needs to have the same quality and robustness that every other car, Toyota car has. Yeah, but to appeal to today's audience, so so this is a problem that is well codified again by Toyota, and I think that if we're interested, we understand it well. Yeah, yeah, completely. It comes down to exactly like you said. It's all about learning, isn't it? You need to understand it well. Um, what's what's next? So you spoke before about um, you you have a, a book that's uh, that's just just starting. Um, what 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 is next for Michael? Well, we're still digesting it between the leans. You know, there's a book we did with the five other. I did with the five. Uh, um, uh, Nicolas, Sandrine, Avin, Daryl, and Pascal. Five other authors, which is called the Lean Sensei. So, so we're still digesting that one. Yeah. And 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 writing uh, this new book on digital. So I think that's. Yeah. I don't, what's next? I don't know. Oh, brilliant! No, good stuff. Good stuff. And and um, if people wanted to find more out more about you uh, or um, understand more about the the works that you've done, or how how can they do that? I would I would suggest they go to the Lean Enterprise Organization, um, Lean dot org. Yep. Lean dot org, uh, Lean Enterprise Institute, because I have a weekly column there that is called Game by Coach, mm-hmm. and I've been doing it there for ten years, so they probably have more more stuff there than they would ever want to know. Yeah. And and if not, just uh, michaelbald.org is probably yeah yeah that's the that's the place to go yeah that's no good stuff no thank you thank you for that I'm I'm conscious of the time you're you're a busy uh, busy popular man and it it looks like the sun is still shining in Paris is that right no yeah, absolutely that's it, it's it, it, I'm not particularly um, I don't know about popular. Certainly not very busy right now. But the thing is, that the, the thing is that uh, the the kids are starting school uh, next Monday. So, so oh, amazing! Are, are they ready? Are they ready for it? Pre 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 start of school panic here. Yeah, fantastic. How how old are the kids? Uh, my eldest is seventeen, and youngest is ten. Oh, brilliant! And are they following in uh, in dad's footsteps? Oh, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> so they get her life, you know? Yeah, no, good. So, uh, in fact, yeah. quite. No, you don't, to trust me, you do not want to spend your entire life studying one sentence. I mean, that's a ridiculous thing to do. Yeah, no, I, I, but it was a good, it was not a bad sentence. There are far worse sentences to study, aren't there? Um, what, one thing I was going to say that, do you, so one, one question that people ask me is, uh, is, is, do you apply lean at home? So, never. So, why not? It's not a religion, man. I mean, come on, never. Yeah, I, yeah I, that's not true. Uh, I have a Kanban for my beers in the fridge, but that's you know, I Brilliant. take when I put one in. Yeah, fantastic. Because, because the fr- I don't know about your your home, but fridge space is is uh, premium. Yeah, so so yeah. you have to if you want a cold beer, you may have to make sure that. Of course not. Why? Why would you? Yeah, no, good, great answer, great answer, and, and you've prioritised what's important at home there as well, haven't you? With the uh, with the beers in the fridge, so that's be, good. You know, yeah, yeah, again, again, keep keep focused. You know, yeah. You know, again, this is not a religion. This is a number of techniques. It's an interesting turn of phrase. Do you apply lean? Thank you for not listening for anything I've been saying for the past hour. Yeah, no, I said it was a question that I get asked. <laughs> oh, that's a clever one. Yeah. A good one. Lee. <laughs> uh, I don't think you apply lean. I think you practice lean. I see it more as a martial art. Uh, you, you practice lean. As you practice lean, your thinking about thing changes. Yeah. Um, for instance, so we start with, I am the master of my fate. Then I am the master of my fate, but sometimes things don't go the way I want it because somebody does something or something happens. And then you have a first mental change that is saying, well, actually, no, I am being challenged and I respond. And then you realize that you can't respond alone. So then you get to the point that you're saying, well, actually, I am who my friends are. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's lean thinking. And that's a very Toyota-like community thing, you know, that you work with the best because the best make, because the people who surround you Make you make you who you are, and actually, when you look at epidemiology stories, the, the 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 most influential thing on your happiness is whether your neighbor is happy. Oh wow! Even for Parisians, as you can imagine, yeah. that's a bit of a challenge. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but but so so so, 
practicing lean, what happens is that you see your own perspective on things change quite radically. Yeah. And I personally find that fun. So yeah. like, my God, I used to think that. Now I think that is changing. So, but no, I would never apply lean. You know, it's like uh, I would never do five S to my desk or whatever like this. Yeah. But, but, but then I understand. For instance, um, it's like a five S, not as everything in order, but purifying your desk, like more like Marie Kondo stuff. This I get. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so I don't think you apply lean to anything. I think you practice lean thinking. Yeah, and when you practice lean thinking, you see things differently. Yeah, and then you can either get off your ass and actually do something about it, or just live with it, or get the normal cost of doing this. But but, but what lean thinking really teaches you is there is no such thing. There is no such thing as normal cost. Mm-hmm. There is no such thing as normal downside. There is you deciding that you're going to live with this downside or not. Yeah. Now the the block is you're an identity thing, which is that when it's when we have to learn something we don't know, we tend to moralize it, saying we don't need to know it. And it's worse is that usually if you want to learn something, you have to learn it from somebody that you because you've moralized it, mm-hmm. you think they're the enemy. Okay. So that's where it gets really interesting is that if you really want to fix the normal cost of something, you probably will have to work with someone that you would say to yourself the morally you want you know yeah yeah and perfect. that that it gets it that that gets really really yeah, yeah perfect perfect no th- thank you very much for that and like i said i am conscious of the time and you're uh you've, you've got to get the kids ready for school for, yep. for, for Monday. so i just want to say thank you thank you very much well, again th- I, I start- thank you for the talk no, no. I started with the uh, uh, describing you as a as a lean legend, and I, and I think that's that's definitely again come across. So so seriously, thank thank you very much for your time. Um, have an amazing rest of your week and and rest of your day, and and enjoy the uh, the Paris sun. Thank you. Cheers, Michael. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the Business Problem Solver or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.